Hey, welcome back. And if you're new here, hit that subscribe button. Here we talk about true crime, unsolved mysteries, case files, you name it. Um, if that's your kind of thing, then you're in the right spot. Last week we talked about Chris Watts and how he murdered his whole family for a side piece. Today we're going to be talking about the gruesome murder slash suicide of Zach Bowen and Abby Hall. Are you ready? Now first we'll talk about Addie Hall. She was free-spirited, feisty temper, independent artist who found herself in New Orleans after a rough life in the Northeast States. Um, she was a poet, artist, dancer, and French Quarter bartender with a host of friends. She had all types of friends. Addie was weary of relationships with men because of abusive um, experience that she had in her past. Um, you could always find her riding her bike around the corner to get to where she needed to go and to her job as a bartender at the Spotted Cat. Now, she called herself a quarterkin, someone who belonged in what was part of the French Quarter. Life as an artist, uh, as some of you may know, is never easy. Try to balance your artistic expression with your surroundings and your lifestyle and never really sure where the pieces are going to end up fitting together. Now, Addie did fit there right in the middle, trying to find herself in her muse, all while battling her own demons and addictions. Now, Zach Bohm was charismatic, charming, good-looking, very handsome young man who left an impression on everyone he met. He grew up in California. He had a very laid-back attitude. And that comes from growing up on the on the beaches, you know. Zach married young to a woman who was 10 years older than him. Her name was Lena. They had two children together, and in order to take care of them, he did decide to join the army for the benefits. Some of us joined for the benefits. <laughs> now, while Lena took the kids and decided to leave him, um, Zach was so devastated. He was lonely. He found odd jobs around the French Quarter after being um, generally discharged and to his tours overseas in Iraq and Kosovo. Now, Zach was a war hero, but he was suffering from severe PTSD, who was desperately in need of some help, and unfortunately, he never found that. Now, Eddie met Zach while they were both bartending in the French Quarter. She liked to give him a hard time, played the mean girl as a way of flirting, but really it was just a test to see what he could handle, you know? Addie had an ugly side to her. Everybody knew about it. Um, suffering from bipolar disorder and irregularly taking the medication to treat her mental illness. This caused anger, uncontrollable outbursts for her. Uh, many of Zach and Addie's friends remember the outrageous fights that they would get into. It was kind of a wreck of a relationship from the start. Uh, fueled by drugs, alcohol, Zach and Addie were destined for destruction. Now, they had been dating for a few weeks before Katrina came into view. Zach and Addie decided to stick out the Category 5 hurricane together at their apartment. Um, now, during the storm and flickering lights, they fell deeply in love, made a life for themselves in the weeks following the destruction in the empty French quarters, because most people had left during this time. They were inseparable from that point forward and made a name for themselves as they served up booze and scrap meals to the fellow people who stayed from Katrina. Now, Zach and Addie were even 
photograph for national magazines and newspapers in the wake of this devastating storm. Being interviewed about their choices to stay in the city, they felt like king and queen of the quarter for a little bit of time. Now around 1 o'clock a.m. on Thursday, October 5th, 2006, Zach strangled Addie to death. In a drunken rage, he fell asleep next to her afterwards on, on the futon. Um, he did, got up the next day and went to work. Um, his co-workers remember him acting out of sorts, wearing sunglasses and a hat, just acting real suspicious and becoming very quiet, which wasn't like him. He was like the popular guy. Everybody knew him. He talked to everybody. Over the next several days, Zach's ended up cutting up Addie's body in their tub with a hacksaw and knife, dismembered the pieces of her corpse into and on top of the stove for cooking. He was cooking her and as well in the refrigerator. He gave her a haircut, placed her head inside of a pot. Y'all, this is, this is a lot. This is a lot. So Hold on, warning. So this has a this is pretty graphic. So if you can't take details like that, just pause it or skip a little bit past this part because it, it's a little intense. He then he placed her small feet and hands inside of another pot on the back burner of the stove, her legs and arms in a roasting pan inside the oven, and then finally her torso in a black plastic trash bag in the refrigerator to be dealt with later. That's just, ugh. Apparently his intentions were to separate bones from flesh as a means to more easily handle the disposing of her body. Oh, man. A lot of people at the time said there was intentions of cannibalism, but the autopsy reports confirmed there was no signs of any of that, fortunately. Now, remember all those friends we talked about that Addie had? Well, they were becoming concerned. The friends, co-workers, they were asking where she was. Um, they were asking if they, if she, if she tried to contact Zach or anything at all. And he would just tell him she left him and went back to North Carolina. Um, some were surprised as they knew how much she loved New Orleans and couldn't see her leaving. While others were not shocked, knowing that Addie could be very unpredictable because she had, you know, a lot of issues as well and a tendency to run away from situations out of her control. Little did they know that Zach knew exactly where she was and what he had done to her. Now on Tuesday evening, October 17, 2006, nearly two weeks after the murder and dismemberment of his girlfriend, Addie Hall, Zach committed one more act of violence by jumping to his death from the seventh floor of the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel. He left a handwritten note and his army dog tags inside of a plastic bag in his back pocket. Um, and the gate key to Addie's apartment in his front pocket as well. The letter to police only led detectives to the home of Addie and Zach's landlord for questioning. Once they were pointed in the right direction though, they quickly discovered that the contents of Zach's letter were in fact true. Unopened boxes and Broken dreams awaited them as they walked into the, the this apartment. The first thing they noticed was the temperature and the lack of smell. The air conditioner was set to 60 degrees and on full blast. Cold like a meat locker, really. There was no smell of rotting flesh. The bathroom was clean of any lingering blood. There was nothing, it was spotless. 
Um, on the walls were the silver colored spray paint words of I love you. And then he also had written I'm a total failure. And finally, look in the oven was also written on the walls with the arrow pointing to the stove door. Now he like, it just blows my mind how much he really thought this out before he decided to jump to his death. Now what the detectives discovered next is something I'm sure will stay with them for the rest of their lives as they open the pot covers in the heavy refrigerator door. Now remember we said he left letters in his pocket, right? Well the letters read, quote, this is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you'll find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend Addie in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, and full signed confession from myself, Zach Bowen. End quote. So that was his letter. And this is how the letter in Zach's back pocket started out when police discovered it on his dead body atop of the parking garage next to the hotel, y'all. And at the scene of Addie's murder, police found her journal with writings added from Zach as well. So more notes that he decided to put inside of her journal. Now, what he put in, his, in her journal was, quote, Today's Monday, 16th, October 2nd, 2 a.m. I killed her at 1 a.m. Thursday, 5 October. I very calmly strangled her. It was very quick, end quote. And then a little bit further down, he had more written and it was, quote, halfway through the task, I stopped and thought about what I was doing. The decision to halt the first idea and move to plan B, the crime scene you're in now. I scared myself, not by the actions of calmly strangling the woman I love for one and a half years and then desecrating her body by my entire lack of remorse. I've known her forever. How horrible of a person am I? and decided to quit my jobs and spend the 1500 cash I had being happy until I killed myself. So that's what I did. Good food, good drugs, good strippers, good friends, and any loose ends I may have had. I didn't contact any of my family, so that'll explain the shock. And I had a fantastic time living out my days. It's just about time now. End quote. Another thing that people say was since he was struggling so hard with PTSD, he was traumatized by the city um, post-Katrina, the military control, general destruction, all the death. This has profound effects on his state of mind, which was already in a sensitive place. As the days and weeks and months you know, went on, severe drinking and drug abuse came into play with uh, all these things that he's putting on himself as far as the drinking and drugs and then him having this PTSD. Uh, left untreated he ultimately was defeated by his own mind now many would end up claiming later that the dark voodoo history of the location has something to do with Zach's overwhelming mental illness and the violent outbursts of the relationship Um, it's pure coincidence that these unrelated matters align though I mean voodoo in general is actually a healing and kind of spiritual practice that's well respected in the city darkness has little to do with it Addie Hall was murdered, she was a victim, but all in all, she was a victim of severe domestic abuse turned criminal, and there's really nothing supernatural about that fact. Now, Zach's own personal demons is what ultimately took over and what took his sanity and caused him to end his life and his girlfriend's. The building's actually currently being leased by another voodoo 
priestess who's turned it into a museum of the paranormal with tours of the apartment. Um, the Voodoo Spiritual Temple moved to a new location at 1428 North Rampart Street, so just a little bit further down the street um, from its original location across from Congo Square. So if anybody lives down there or if you ever visit it, please let me know. <laughs> let me know. I'm always interested in stuff like that. So that is the story of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. It's a horrible one, y'all. It's horrible. It's one that um, a lot of people will never forget because it they were essentially kind of kind of famous. They were all in the media. They were well known in the French quarters. So what happened definitely spread fast. Um, that is the story for today. Thank you so much for watching. If you guys have any questions or if you have any recommendations or any cases that you'd like me to cover, leave them down in the description below. I also want to know what you think about this case. Do you feel like the house was haunted and it got to him kind of like um, Amityville type thing? <laughs> or do you feel like he just flat out just murdered her. It had nothing to do with paranormal activity. Nothing was going on. He was just a murderer. Let me know your thoughts. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.